hope you're leaning into that and focusing on that and praying that God would work such a work in your life and also work such a work in the life of our church. I've asked this to be set as our 2021 focus, and uh, you've seen this video over and over, and it's given you an opportunity to ponder whether or not you will make this the stated goal of your life, because unless you do, it's just a slogan and nothing more. Uh, becoming a church after his heart means me becoming such a person and you becoming such a person. And I suggest to you that if our goal is anything less than that, everything that we are and everything that we do is just a sham, it's phony, it's pretense. And when, we, when who we are at the very core of our lives is phony, it's bound to show up in our lives. Now, I'm not accusing you of starting out that way. Neither did I. But I know the subtle shifts that can take place in a person's heart. I know how the noble goal of being the person that God wants you to be gets pushed to the background and other passions and priorities take their place. Because it once was the passion our passion to be a person after God's heart, and we realize that's not who we are anymore, then we come to church, the pastor does, the deacons do, the Sunday school teachers do, with white whitewash over the sepulcher of our heart so that we can pretend to be the person we used to be when we know who we are is not who God wants us to be. Something happens, either incrementally or over time. Our heart shifts. And the person who was once a person after God's heart becomes something less. It happens to pastors. It happens to deacons. It happens to the finest of Christians. And it happened to David, this man who was a man after God's heart. Now, I began this series by talking to you about the passion of David's early years. It was a passion undaunted by danger. It was the passion of a young man who reached for the heart of God. And God was watching and God was listening. Last week we considered the problems of his middle years, that Saul in the hall in his life. And that was a problem that perplexed David, but it continually pressed him into his presence, fanning the flames of his passion for God. But this morning we're going to consider the pitfall of David's glory years. And we're going to cover 2 Samuel chapter 1 through 11. And we're going to cover it Quickly, So don't think this is going to be an extra long, complicated message. It's not. I'm just going to outline this for you. And so we're going to begin in 2 Samuel chapter 1. And I find in these chapters six characteristics of a person after God's heart. Number one comes from 2 Samuel chapter 1. A person after God's heart is a person who waits for God's timing. As you know, when David was just a teenage boy, he was called out of the sheep field to his father's house. Where Samuel was, Samuel had been sent there to anoint the next king over Israel. And that day, Samuel slipped up beside David and whispered into his ear, God has chosen you to be king. And that day, Samuel anointed Saul. But it would be more than a decade before that came to reality in David's life. If you know anything about the book of Psalms, you see that many of them are written by David. And in the book of Psalms, 25 different times, we hear David talk about the importance of waiting on the Lord. It was the focus of his life. 
during these glory years. He waited on God's promise. He waited on God's timing. And in God's timing, that promise came to fulfillment. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 1 where these days of waiting come to an end. Saul is killed on the field of battle, a battle that David had nothing to do with. David wanted nothing to do with any harm that came to Saul. As a matter of fact, it would have been David's desire for Saul himself to become a person with a passion for God, although Saul never became that. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from God tormented him. But uh, David loved Saul, and of course David also loved Saul's son, Jonathan, who was who shared his passion for God. And, and Jonathan also was a man after God's own heart, but Jonathan was killed in the same battle in which his father was killed. So David's glory days began in a season of brokenness, but that brokenness only served to press David further into God's presence. So David takes the throne at the age of 30, and at the age of 30, the David we find at 30 years old is the same David we find as a teenager. He is a man after God's heart. Number two, a person after God's heart is a person who seeks and follows God's guidance. If you look at Psalm 32 in verse uh, 8, David gives one of God's promises where the Lord said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And then in Psalm 73, verse 24, David wrote, With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. David lived out these principles in these glory days. In his first steps toward becoming king, uh, you, you might remember that David was living out among the Philistines because Saul had been pursuing him. But when Saul dies, David approaches God in chapter 2, verse 1, and he said, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said to the Lord, Where shall I go up? And the Lord said to Hebron. David was obedient to God. He went to Hebron. And if you look at verse 4, you see that there in chapter 2, the men of Hebron came and anointed David king over Judah. David waited for God. David followed God's counsel. David, God fulfilled his promise to David. And David remained a man after God's heart. Are you seeking God's guidance in your life? Are you following God's counsel in your life? Number three, a person after God's heart experiences fulfillment of God's promises. 2 Samuel chapter 5, the final principle in Henry Blackaby's study, Experiencing God, states, You come to know God by experience as you obey Him, and He accomplishes His work through you. David obeyed God, and David walked with God in a love relationship with Him. So I want you to see what happened in this fifth chapter. I remind you, these are David's glory years. Let me set it up for you. When he was 30, he came to Hebron, and they anointed him king over Judah, just Judah, only part of the kingdom when he was 30. But look at chapter 5, verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, 
And King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. They anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and reigned for 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Now verse 10, David became greater and greater for the Lord God of hosts was with him. If David experienced the fulfillment of God's promises because David was a man after God's own heart, if we, will, if we will seek to be a people after God's heart, our church will experience the fulfillment of God's promises. There will be glory days in the middle of our church because we will experience God working in and through us. In the midst of these glory days, here is David at 37 years old, and he remains a person after God's heart. Number four. A person after God's heart maintains a passion for God's presence. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 6, you'll see how this works out in David's life. If you remember back during the wilderness, in the wilderness days, God's people had a tabernacle. It was a tent, and in that tent was a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a holy piece of furniture because it was the very symbol of God's presence. And in the wilderness... The Bible said whoever sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. They would go there and they would be close to God. They couldn't go inside, but they wanted to be close to God, and the symbol of God's presence was there, so they went there. Well, in 1 Samuel, early in the early chapters, the Philistines, because God's people's heart had shifted, God allowed the Philistines to capture the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of his presence, and take it captive. This was a heartbreaking moment in the lives of God's people. It stayed for a while in the land of the Philistines, but ultimately was returned and came to a city called Kiriath-Jerim, where it was in David's day, where it had been all through the time of Samuel and all through the time of Saul. So to speak, it was in storage. But David so longed for God's presence that he wanted this symbol of God's presence to be near to him. And chapter 6 tells the story of the moment the, the ark was brought into David's presence and how David worshipped before the Lord as they brought the ark. So in chapter 6, you see that David remains a person after God's heart. Remember, these are David's glory days. These are days when he waited on God's guidance and, and followed God and experienced the fulfillment of God's promises. He maintained a passion for God's heart. That's what he was as a teenage boy. That's what he still was when he was 30. That's what he still was when he was 37. And now David is moving into his 40s and he remains a person after God's heart. Number five, a person after God's heart has a vision that will bring God glory. Second Samuel chapter 7. David was a man who wanted to do more and more for God. He was not content with what he had done in the past or how he had served in the past. He wanted, as, he, as his years went by, to do more and more for God, to bring more and more honor for God. So he, he felt like this symbol of God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, needed a permanent place. It needed to be in a building that would reflect God's glory to the entire world so that all people like the children of Israel in the wilderness were drawn to the tent of meeting to seek the Lord, that people would be drawn to this temple to seek the Lord. 
chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that's in your mind, for the Lord is with you. What I just want you to see in those three verses is that even Nathan the prophet knew David to be a man after God's own heart. He knew that David had a passion for God's presence and that it, it was the vision of his life to bring God's glory. But God revealed to Nathan after David left that that was not David's assignment. Everybody has a different assignment. Everybody, every pastor has a different assignment. When he comes to a church, you have a different assignment than somebody else in your life. You have a, a specific assignment. And David's assignment was not to build the temple. But a son would build it later. David accepted God's will in that matter. But for the rest of his life, that remained the passion of his heart. He said, I will never do this, but I can tell you one thing. I'm going to make sure that it gets done. So he made investments and he made plans that would lead to that vision becoming a reality because the vision of David's life was to bring glory to God. I want to ask you, are you living your life for God's glory? Did you know that when David fought Goliath as a teenage boy, David didn't fight Goliath so that people would know his name. He fought Goliath so that people would know God's name, so that God's name would be magnified. When David waited on the Lord through those years when Saul pursued him, David didn't wait on God and keep his hands off Saul because he wanted his name to be known. He wanted God's name to be magnified. Uh, David, all, all his life, that was his vision. If he'd been a football player, he would have played football to the glory of God. Or a baseball player, he'd played baseball to the glory of God. If he'd been a coach, he would have coached to the glory of God. And as political leader of the nation, he led the nation to be people after God's heart. Because that's who he was. He led them to have a passion for God's glory. Look at chapter 7, verse 18. After Nathan told him this, and said, look, the, what the, Lord, the Lord's assignment for you is to let somebody else do this, but he's going to give you an enduring kingdom. Somebody's, somebody from your, from your line is always going to sit on the throne of Israel. And we know the ultimate fulfillment of that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the son of David. Verse 18, the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, and what is my house that you brought me thus far? Verse 22, for this reason you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we've heard with our ears. Verse 25. Now therefore, O Lord God, the word that you've spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever and do as you have spoken, that your name may be magnified forever by saying the Lord God of hosts is the God of Israel. It, it was the vision of his heart to bring God glory. Such is the vision of a person after God's heart, and that is the vision of a church after God's heart. Number six, a person after God's heart is a person who seeks to show the kindness of God's love to others. Second Samuel chapter 9. Somehow, somehow, in the providence of God, David's heart was stirred to show compassion to the house of Saul. Remember, Saul was his sworn enemy. Saul was the guy who tried to pin him to the wall more than once with a spear. Saul is the one who wanted to take him out, and yet God's heart, God stirred his heart 
And David said, I really feel like I need to show the kindness of God's love. Look at chapter 9, verse 3. David said, Is there anyone yet left of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness of God? The Hebrew word translated kindness is the word kesed, and it means the steadfast love of God. That's what David wanted to do. I want to show them the love of God. Look, yesterday, I can't tell you the whole story, but I talked to a man who had been, he'd been mistreated. Uh, and he told me about one of the times that he had been mistreated. And he told me, he said, in that moment when I was mistreated, he was mistreated at work. He worked at the shipyard. And he said, my boss walked away from me. And he, I took the words he said to me in my heart, and I said, I'm not going to hold those against him. And as he walked away, I yelled at the rest of the men. And I said, men, you see that man? I love that man. And he said his face just turned just as red as it could be. And he walked away. And he said he never gave me a hard time again after that. He showed the kindness of God's love. And what did David do? David learned that there was someone left of the house of Saul. As a matter of fact, it was his best friend's son. His best friend Jonathan had a little boy named Mephibosheth. And David apparently didn't know about this little boy because when Jonathan and Saul were killed, the little boy was five years old. The nursemaid grabbed him to run out of the house with him, and when she did, she dropped him. He fell, and he was a cripple for the rest of his life. He's a grown man now, and he's helpless. And David finds that young man and restores to him the land and wealth of Saul. And he says, bring him to my house. And every day he will sit at my table. And he ate at David's table regularly. That's what we learn in this sixth chapter. What a man, David. A man who sought to show others the kindness of God's love. A a church after God's heart seeks to show the kindness of God's love to its community, shows the kindness of God's love to its enemies, demonstrates God's love shown to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We share the kindness of God's love. David was such a great man. We learned about him in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, where Paul, speaking the Lord's word, said, I have found David, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Is that the kind of person you are? Is that the kind of person you want to be? Is that the church you want this church to be? I certainly hope so. It's God's desire that you become a person after his heart. And here we find David at 47 years old, still the same guy he was when he was 16. I really want to please God. I want to be the man God wants me to be. I want to do what God wants me to be. Perhaps that was once the passion of your heart. Number seven, a person after God's heart is a person whose heart can shift and so become something less. That is who you perhaps were and now can perhaps only wish to be. Now it's just the whitewash that you paint over the sepulcher of your heart, hiding the truth about who you really are. It's a mask you wear. It's a front you put up to other people because you know that's not who you are. Something happened either incrementally or all at once, and your heart shifted, and the person inside you who was once, who once had a heart for God suddenly became something less. Look, it happens to pastors. 
It happens to deacons. It happens to the finest of Christian leaders. And it happened to David, this man we call a man after God's own heart. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed all the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, he rose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, as if David didn't know, it was Uriah's wife. Uriah was one of his best friends, one of his mighty men's, one of his mighty men. So they must have thought, maybe he doesn't know. So they said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she told David and said, I am pregnant. I'll not read the rest of the story, but before it's over, her husband is dead at the direction of David. That was part of David's effort to cover his sin and hide the truth of what a man had done who had once been a man with a heart for God. Verse 26, chapter 11. Now when the wife of Uriah heard that David, that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife, and she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was, was evil in the sight of the Lord. What a tragedy. What sadness. David's life became ground zero in an attack by the enemy. This towering spiritual giant came crashing to the ground. He had battled lions and bears and giants and enemies and armies and a king tormented by demons, but he was no match when it came time to battle his own lust and the enemy of his soul, when it was all said and done, the heart of this man that was once a heart for God was nothing but a smoking ruin. Has it happened to you? Was there a time when you were all God wanted you to be? And something happened, maybe incrementally, or all at once, and suddenly you became something less. I'll tell you something. Before this church can become a church after his heart, each one of us is going to have to deal with that moment when it happened to us and a person after God's heart became something less. Number eight, the final thing I'll share, take just a minute. When a person after God's heart becomes something less, God will confront that person with their failure, offering them an opportunity to move from ruin to restoration. That's what God did in David's life. Could that be what God is doing in your life? Saying, I remember who you were, and I want you to remember who you were.
but I also want you to see who you have become. And I'm here to help you make the journey from ruin to restoration. Let's pray.